You know, I'd like to say that um, Pastor Belui's, uh book, you know, that he gave us to use for helping us through the fast, um, I've been amazed at how it fits for me each day. Um, it's, it's just a God thing, how God wants to encourage us as we go through our time of fasting and, and prayer. But I'm kind of excited with you a little bit. Um, we're going to begin the book of John, the gospel of John. Pastor asked if I would maybe get us into the first three chapters. Um, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge, uh, trying to do three chapters, but I think I'll just take some key points out of each chapter and try to drive home maybe the central messages of those three chapters. Let's pray and ask God to make his word sink, go down deep in our heart. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being able to gather with the body of Christ. Lord, we need each other. And Father, I thank you that this is such a a privilege. So many places do not have these privileges. But Lord, we do, and we do not take it for granted. We thank you for it. We bless one another in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask now that you would make your word real and help it to go down deep inside, that it would sustain us this day and through this week. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess I should say akuna matata. Um, I just got back from Africa, and I can say akuna matata in Christ, you know, which means no worries, no, no problems in Christ. I hope at some point I can share a little bit more with you I could say akabariki, which means God bless you in the Maasai uh, tribal language. But let's go to chapter 1, and let's look at uh, the Gospel of John. How many of you are aware of the fact that um, there's four Gospels, and three of those Gospels are very historical. They have a pattern. They follow the life of Jesus. John wrote his book uh, 60 years after the resurrection of Christ, after his ascension. And he was dealing with a different generation in his time. And it was never John's opinion or attitude or desire to write another gospel like the three that had been written. John wanted to boldly declare that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that God loved us and sent Jesus to represent him to us. So John doesn't argue. John starts off in chapter 1, verse 1. He is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Uh, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John starts off by just simply saying Jesus is God. He just starts off saying he is the creative, living expression of God. 
when you look at Genesis, and this is a reference actually back to Genesis, when you look at Genesis, we see three aspects of God. There is the heart of God who initiates. It is the heart of Christ to carry out that initiated action, and it is the Holy Spirit that carries out the creative form of creation. That's how the Godhead works in creation. But John wanted us to know this, that Jesus was never less than God, but he set aside his godness so that he could become our example, so that he could provide something that no one else could provide for us. And that was a perfect human being who would take the sins of the world, go to the cross, die in our behalf, so that we can assume his righteousness as he assumes our unworthiness, our sinfulness. When we find uh, these first few verses, we find out that he says this, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. The idea here is this, when God speaks something, it becomes substance. What didn't exist now exists. And that is the amazing aspect of God. And when Jesus came, he was the expression of God as a human being. Okay? God became clothed in flesh. And now, if you ever wanted to know how God would act in a human body, Jesus becomes that perfect expression. But he says something. He says, I am the Logos. The Logos is simply this. In the Greek mind, the Logos was the spark of life. It was the thing that drove creation. I don't know how the Greeks came to that, but that was their philosophical view, that behind everything was Logos. And so John just takes it. He says, you Greeks, Jesus is the Logos. As far as the Jews concerned, the Jews believed that God's word became reality. It became life. And so John turns to the Jew and says, Jesus is that creative word in Genesis. So now he starts by saying, it is important for you to receive this revelation. Now I want to emphasize two things. Jesus, when he comes to us, comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But when he comes into our life, he creates something that wasn't there before. We call that the new, the new creature, the new creation. And so where you were just a human being, now you are a supernatural being. And so as we go through these first three chapters, I want you to understand right now, you are the most supernatural people in the world because the Spirit of God dwells in you. But I want you to understand something. It's not just the Spirit of God dwelling in you. It is the Word of God dwelling in you. When we receive Christ as our Savior, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we possess the ability to know and speak God's Word as His witnesses. And so you have the power to speak into people's lives and watch God do a miracle. That, wasn't, that what was not there in their life before now is there. I pastored for over 40 years, and I had the privilege of watching the creative miracle of salvation happen through the pastoral ministry. 
I'll never get used to it. I'll never be able to get over it. It makes me cry every time I see it. But where you see someone look you in the eye and say, I don't know how to find God, and you speak to them, you pray with them, you encourage them, you walk with them, and slowly but surely you see in their eye something that wasn't there before. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God is looking out through their eyes, and they have become something precious, supernatural, and unusual. The problem is, is we forget what we have. We forget what Jesus did when he came. John says, he was the word that created everything. Now, when that word goes out, it's a living word. It's a living word. It doesn't just touch you and move on. It touches you and changes you. You become more than what you ever thought you could be. Now, the world tries to beat you down, tries to make you think, no, you're just the way you were. No, you're different. And here's the thing. When we begin to reveal the change, we become light. Light is the ability to see what you could not see before. I love it when I see people come to Christ. All of a sudden, they see what they could not see before. But what is even more exciting, they become a source of light. They go home and tell their family. They go home and tell their, they go to work and tell the people at work. And all of a sudden, people are saying, what, what's different about you? The light is seeping out. And people are saying, you're weird and you're different. Because <laughs> they don't understand what's going on. But what they are becoming is living word, living light. That's our job. Let's talk about the witness that gives light. In 1 John 6, 12, we read this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him and all might believe He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John the Baptist was probably the greatest prophet, according to Jesus, that ever lived. And yet, John was not what Israel was looking for. But what he did do is he said, I'm going to point you to the one who is the one you've been looking for. That's our job. That's our job. We are not the source of the light that's changes. We're not the source of the word that's transforming us. But we are witnesses. And that's what John was. He was faithful to share what he did know, what God did give him. We are filled with possibilities. Impossible possibilities if we could only believe that we have that ability we have the word of life in us we have the word of light in us and if we begin to share our supernatural testimony do you believe let me ask you this 
How many believe that your salvation was supernatural? That's about 40%. I want to assure you of something. If Jesus Christ saved you, you're supernatural, okay? So I don't want to blow your mind, but um, you are a supernatural being. You have passed from death to living life. You are now capable of what you cannot even dream of because you have God in you. So next time I ask you that, I'd like all of you to put your hand up, some of you by faith. Just put your hand up and say, okay, if you say so, Pastor, I'll believe you, okay. But the Word of God says so. But here's the thing. When we speak a word of life over someone who is broken and they find strength from God, that's the creative word through your mouth. When you go home and your child is feeling bullied and you said, I'm going to pray for you, that God will give you a peace that passes all understanding, that is the creative, supernatural word you have. When you are at work and someone is despairing and you come along and you say, I want to tell you that God loves you and that he's ready to answer your prayers and God answers their prayers, it was through you the living word impacted their life and light came to them. We deal with life and light, not death. It's important for us to understand that. John wanted to hit the very first part of, his, of his, his gospel. He wanted to say, you are life and light. In you is the power to become the sons of God. Let me give you a demonstration. I, I couldn't do this without showing you some pictures of Africa. Sorry. Go to the first picture. Aren't, aren't, they, aren't they neat? Look at that. That's our graduates. We went over to uh, help set up a Bible college in Kenya. And I want to tell you, I got a chance to meet these guys. The guy who's standing in the front is the class president. And he got up the first night we got there, and he profusely thanked us for all that we'd done. We'd helped make them a legal college. We'd helped establish them. We'd taken over uh, shoes, glasses. We took over the robes that they're wearing and their hats, and we literally put them on the map. And he said, I want you to know that what you have put in us, we're going to take to our nation, and we will take to the surrounding nations, and we will not let God down. I want you to go to the next slide. When we started the conference, we did a conference that ended up in the graduation. Uh, a few people came, and uh, th that's probably one of the big crowds that, that happened at the very early days. And that's our president, Dave Sell. And we began to do some teaching. We began teaching them the word, and we began speaking to them, praying for them. In the middle of this, God began to move. Go to a, another slide. There's a lady who is missing a leg. Um, when I tell you what, if you want to go where there's joy, go to Kenya. These people love 
to dance. They love to sing. They love to get excited about Jesus. They do a thing that I've never seen before. They take the plastic chairs they have and they lift them up because God inhabits the praises of Israel. So they want to provide a seat for God. And so here's all these people dancing around, holding the chairs up, wanting God to sit on them because they want God to be over them. And she, all she, she was out there dancing with the rest of them, even though she was missing a leg, she was doing it. But I want you to understand, you see the lady next to her? That's the director's wife uh, who leads the college. God just healed her of seven years of horrible back pain. And she and the lady in the one leg got so excited, they got up and they started dancing all over the place. We have the living word resident in us. You have to believe what you have. You have to believe what you have. And when she came up to us and she said, my back is hurting, I I need God to touch me. Boom, God hit her. She became well. She started dancing around and the word went out like electricity into the community. Look at the next picture. And you do, I, I don't have the picture that would be good for you to see. That, that there's people looking in the windows. And uh, we, we took a picture of them all gathered around the side. They couldn't get in. When you have life, people come to you. When you have light, the people in the dark are drawn to you. Because they don't know they're blind until they see the light. And then they know they don't have what they need. And then the word goes out. You say, well, well, what, what does all this mean? Okay, I'm going to take you into chapter 2 of John. I'm going to be faithful to the pastor. Get into the second chapter here. Let's go to the... You looked at this huge crowd because people began to speak in their neighborhoods, in their community, about healing. We saw people literally, uh, uh, Faustine is what the director's wife's name is. Faustine was just just the beginning of many. We saw God just sweep over whole groups of people and heal them. And it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see God right there, front and center. And people began to press in because they wanted, they wanted life. They wanted the real thing. In chapter 2, Jesus goes to a wedding. And his mother comes to him and said, they're running out of wine. You need to make some more wine. And Jesus is dumbfounded. He looks at her and says, woman, what do I have to do with you? In other words, he had no intention at this wedding of doing this. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. You know, sometimes mothers are a little bit aggressive (laughs) with their kids, even if they're the Messiah. 
And so Jesus turns around and he turns the water into wine. And it's his first miracle. Now, John only speaks about seven signs, seven sign miracles. Because John deliberately is trying to show that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a very deliberate gospel. But what's important is I want you to know something. People are looking for what's in the Bible. Don't give them the Bible if you're not going to tell them it's possible. Sorry, I hope I didn't get into anybody's grill. And so his disciples believed on him. I'm not saying miracles make people believe. What it does do is it makes them excited and makes them come and then listen to the gospel. But the other thing is he then went to the temple and he cleansed it. He walked into the temple and he started turning over the tables. He started throwing the doves around. He started throwing the coins around. And you think, whoa, this is a different Jesus. Because the only thing that gets in the way of the living word and the living light is religiosity. Where you make people busy with religion, but you don't give them life. That's what they want. That's what they want. And we've got it. (laughs) Some of you are going, hmm. No, you got it. You got it. You have to believe it. There's three things that keep people from seeing the light. Number one, you just don't say anything. Number two, you don't let them know what a miracle your salvation was. Do you remember back? I remember when I was 14 years old, walked the... Walked the aisle. I was a Southern Baptist. Forgive me. But we, they made us walk down to the front and get saved. And I remember at 14 years old, bawling my eyes out. And it was a precious moment in my life. The sky was bluer. The grass was greener. Something had come up off of me. I was only 14. I hadn't done a lot of bad stuff. But something had come off me. I knew in my heart God had saved me. God. God is amazing. God is amazing. But my salvation was supernatural. I didn't want to go down to the front. I was 14 years old. Teenagers, right? You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be up in front of people. You know? And there I was just weeping and bawling like a baby. You know? Because God saved me. God reached in and moved in a a young person's life. The third thing that will keep people from seeing the light if we don't speak life. If we don't speak life. And it's just religiosity. They'll come hungry, hungry until finally they burn out because they're looking for something that is so much more. Chapter 3. John 3, verses 3 through 6. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, now he's talking to a a head of the religious community, one of the 70 elders that governed Israel's name was Nicodemus. 
Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. In the prophet Ezekiel, he said there is two things that would happen when the Messiah came. One, he would wash us with clean water. And number two, he would put his spirit in us. And Jesus was doing that. I don't know where all of you are at this morning, but I want to tell you something. You cannot get saved and not know it. You just can't. It just touches you from the top of your head to the toes of your feet. Because God is doing something. I'm not saying it's sudden. For me, it was kind of a sudden thing because I was hiding in the back and I had no intention of going up. But God did the work. But for some, it's a process. And I understand that. But there comes a point, the Bible says, when you know you've passed from death, what is dead, what has no life in it, to something that's alive and wonderful. If some of you this morning have a doubt then take care of it by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning. I'll guarantee you that you'll have a supernatural experience. Why? Because God keeps his word. He's the living, life-giving word. And when he sets you on fire, you will become light. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to just stop here. I, I think I've said my piece. I think I've been fair with the getting the three chapters out. If you would like Jesus, if you'd like to be sure that you have the living word in you and you have the life-giving light in your soul, but you're not sure of that, I want you to just stand where you are because I'm going to pray for you, okay? And I want heaven to zap you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. If if you're all saved, hallelujah. You know, I'm glad. Then the second thing I want is for all of you to realize what you do have and renew your heart and become the witness. Become the one who knows that every family member every relative every neighbor must be born again they must experience the supernatural it's not becoming a church member I hope you understand that Uh, we're church members I know most of you are church members I'm not against that but what I'm saying is it's not church membership it is the new birth you become a new creation. If you were like me, you're going to feel that anxiousness settle into your spirit, and you're going to realize God is doing something. When I was 14 years old, I was sitting in the back, and I gripped the front because I knew God was wanting me to go forward, and I was not going to go forward. And all of a sudden, it just got worse and worse and worse until I started bawling like a baby and ran down to the front. My mom came up and said, what in the world is wrong with you? 
I don't know. I'm just, I got to be up here, you know. And it was just God dealing with me. But he's dealing maybe with some of you like that. Anybody want prayer? Let, I, let's make it easy. Would you bow your heads? Just bow your heads for a moment. Can I get our team back up here? You know, you did a good job today. You know that? Praise the Lord. Didn't she do a good job? Praise God. My mom used to say she's a keeper, right? She's a keeper. Heads bowed. And if you just want to slip your hand up and say, I am not sure. I am not sure. Okay, I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you for your honesty. Okay. I'm going to pray for you now. Lord, these that have raised their hands, I'm going to ask you, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit to make your witness known in their hearts. I want you to just pray in your heart, Dear Jesus, come into my heart by the power of your Spirit. Save me. Transform me. Make me into the new creature that you said would happen when we stepped over the line into your kingdom. The Lord's doing it right now. The Holy Spirit is doing that right now. Don't let this pass. Follow through on this. I'm going to ask you at the end of the service, come on up and talk to Brother uh, to me and to Brother Jonathan. We'll be over here by the, uh, by the well. And for the rest of you, I want to ask you this. Would you like to awaken to who you are this morning? Would you like God to make his word come alive in you again? Would you like to be on fire again so that people are seeing the unusual about you? Something different? Knowing that something very, very powerful has happened in your life. If you would like that, you just raise your hand. You just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I want to be that witness. I want to be that one who will share the living word and see the transformation in those that I love. Amen. Father, I pray for these that have their hands up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to renew their hearts. Let them have a new and fresh experience with you, Holy Spirit. Come in the power of your grace and your mercy and transform, transform their thinking so that, Lord, they may step out in newness of life and see the power of the Lord using them in amazing ways. For we ask it in Jesus' 